0: Hey friends, welcome to the Axiom Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us and check
1: out our episode. Um, This is a space where we post our, our Sunday sermons and occasionally we have discussions and conversations regarding life in this community and following Jesus. So thank you for listening and please engage us on our website axiomchurchaz.com or on any of our social medias we'd love to hear
0: from you take care
1: Uh, hey guys hey second service how you feeling good there we go hey welcome to sunday school Don't worry, I'm not confused. I know I'm not in the kids area right now. Uh, We're actually going on week four of our Sunday school series. And um, who better to teach a Sunday school classic Old Testament story than the children's pastor? Am I right? Yes, thank you. (laughs) Uh, You know, but I can't lie. I have to be honest, right? When preparing this sermon, I really did realize how much less pressure I felt teaching these stories to children then I did adults. Like, I mean, like kids, right? They just have this like natural awe and wonder and like they have imaginations that run wild. So when you're teaching them these like Old Testament Bible stories that are like, what the heck did they just have? What happened? What did she just say? Right. Kids are a lot le- more likely to receive it, but us grownups, we kind of receive it and we're like, this is not real. This did not happen. What the heck is she saying? How right we have to try to rationalize these like these big ideas and these Bible stories and make it make sense when sometimes like it doesn't really have to, y'all. Right Like, some of my favorite parts about being a children's pastor is that I get to remind myself every single day that it's so much fun and there's so much freedom in being like a child, like for real. So I want to share a couple of my favorite scriptures. Every time I feel too grown-upy, I open my Bible and I read these grown up is not a word, but it's a word today. <laughs> so I want to direct your attention to my two favorite scriptures. Uh, Matthew 18.3 says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. That makes me feel great. Uh, in Psalms 116.6, The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death. And he saved me. He saved me. I think uh, grown-ups, God is actually giving us permission to be like children sometimes. Not only is he giving us permission. But but scripture tells us, right, that we have the freedom to take this posture. And in that, we get to experience Jesus a little bit more. And so as we get in today's sermon, I just want to invite you into that space. To sit comfortably with Jesus. Not as mature adult and mature followers of Christ, right? Rather as a child of God. And let's see what happens, right? So I'm going to ask you to do a lot of kid things today, but don't worry. It's going to be okay. I'm not going to make you like dance and stuff, although I did think about it. I won't do that to you. Um, But we are going to practice some things that we practice in our kids area. So that way, we could better receive things like kids, right? So before we kind of get into it, I'm going to pray us in, and this is how our Axiom kids pray us in, and I'll explain it as we go. So we first ask everybody to raise their hands. They shake their fingers. Okay, this is now that I know that I see your beautiful eyes. Everybody's looking at me, wonderful. I'm so proud of you, good job. Okay, then you clap your hands, and then you lower your hands, and we know what's next. We pray. Okay. All right. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that um, you are with us and that you are good and that you give us the freedom and the permission to be like children. And so as we get into the word today, God, would you allow us to be more like children? Would you allow us to receive it in a way that doesn't um, set up borders or boundaries, instead that we can press into the awe and wonder of who you are and what you have in store for us today, God. I thank you that you again are a faithful, good, loving Father. And so I pray that this community receive your words today, not mine, that I am moved out of the way entirely to make room for your spirit and what you have in store for this community today. God, thank you. We lift this up in your name. Amen. Amen. Now. Uh, in today's sermon, you might not be taught anything new or something that you've never heard before, right? Because it is a pretty familiar children's story um, in the Old Testament, but again, let's just be children of God, all right? Like, there's 75 sermons that could come from this book, and I'm just scratching the surface of one of them, okay? So be kind to me. Uh, last week, Gavin did an incredible job. Um showing us and reading us this animated children's book of Daniel in the lion's den. And so, you know, I was like a little salty cause I'm like, that was my idea, but it's okay. Not really, it wasn't. But like, hey, he brought—he did a great job bringing kids into church. I was proud of him. He's on the rotation now to serve. Um, but, but I just thought I would like one up him and show a fun children's Bible story video brought to you by Saddleback Kids, and uh, it's on today's sermon. So take a look and uh, hello, let's learn about Jonah.
0: Heroes of the Bible, Jonah. This is Jonah. Uh Jonah was a prophet. That means it was his job to tell people what God told him to say. One day, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh because the people of Nineveh were doing bad things. Uh... But instead, Jonah ran away. (laughs) And went to the port to board a ship, going the other way he was hoping to get away from God. He sailed for a place called Tarshish. While he was at sea, God sent a great and powerful wind over the sea that caused a storm that seemed like it would break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the sailors tried everything they could think of to save the ship. Meanwhile, Jonah was sound asleep, so the captain went down and said, how can you sleep at a time like this get up and pray to your god maybe he will help us then the crew figured out that jonah was the reason for the storm Uh (laughs) and they asked him who are you why is this happening to us jonah told them who he was and that he worshipped the one true god who made the sea then he told the sailors to throw him in the sea so the storm would stop. No, why? The sailors still tried to escape the storm, but it was no use. Uh... So they asked God for forgiveness and threw Jonah into the sea. The storm stopped at once. Whoa! The sailors were amazed at God's power and they vowed to serve him. Now God sent a great fish to swallow Jonah. Uh, Great and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and nights. Jonah prayed to God from inside the fish and God ordered the fish to spit Jonah out. God told Jonah again to go to the city of Nineveh to tell them what God had said about them. Again, I get it. I get it. <laughs> this time Jonah obeyed God and went to Nineveh to deliver God's message. <clears throat> the people of Nineveh stopped doing bad things and turned to God. They were saved because they listened to the message that God had given Jonah.
1: <laughs> okay. These videos crack me up. Every time we share them in the kids area, I like laugh the whole time and the kids are like, what's so funny? And I'm like, you'll understand one day. Uh, But they crack me up mainly because it allows our kids to kind of see these more difficult and harder Bible stories, right? In a more lighthearted way, in a way that's almost comical, especially in the responses of the like, "Oh, oh, man, oh, man. It's like, it's what we kind of all think when we're reading scripture, but these videos again, kind of allow our kids to, to put those words into place. Play and into action, and it becomes something that's so much more realistic, right, in the eyes of a child than just a bunch of words in a Bible. Um, but I want to let you in on a little secret in case you don't know this, right? Most, almost all of our prophets that um, we visit in the Old Testament are, are incredible people. They're heroes of the Bible, just like how this Bible story started, right? It's, this is a hero of the Bible. Um, but Jonah is actually kind of terrible. Like, kind of terrible. And we're going to kind of read into and talk about why, but right, like our kids don't have to know that because everybody's wonderful in the Bible. So, but I think it's really cool how the the Bible story video only shares really chapters one through three. It doesn't touch chapter four, right? And so by a raise of hands, who's familiar with the book of Jonah? It's been a while, it's okay. Yeah, okay, that actually makes me feel much better. (laughs) Because now, right, like I said earlier, there's 500 sermons that can come from this book, and this is just one of them. But if you know the book really, really well, you've probably heard them all. And so I'm kind of happy that it's like, you know, we're not all, we're not all there. So that makes this, my job, a little bit easier. So I'm gonna start first by saying why the book of Jonah is different from the rest of the other Old Testament book of prophets. Where The book of Jonah does not focus on the words of the prophet given by the Lord, which most do, right? Instead, it's a story of the prophet. It's a story about Jonah and what he experiences. Now, Saddleback Kid's story, again, only touches one through three. So I'm gonna kind of quickly go over what that one through three is, right? In chapters one and three, it tells us that Jonah's encounters Um, has encounters with non-Israelites. First, with the pagan sailors in the ship while while there's a a storm. And chapter 1. And then in chapter 3, it's with his hated enemies, the Ninevites. Okay? And then in chapters 2 and 4, it contains prayers of Jonah. Right? Chapter 2 is a prayer of sort of repentance. It's not really repenting. He's just more like, save me, I'm in the belly of a fish, right? But he, we'll call it a prayer of repentance. And then in four, he's actually just chewing out God for being too nice. So that's fun. Um, and we'll talk about that here shortly. Um, but, you know, all of that to be said, God still shows up for him. There's so many moments in this story that we we read about Jonah, and, and, and in my own frustration, even with a childlike approach to it, I'm like, dude, get it together. Like, what is happening, right? Like, I never realized how crazy Jonah kind of was. And so, um, you know, the, my, our, our kid's favorite part of the story is when the child, or when Jonah is in the belly of the fish. And the amount of questions that we get as uh, teachers teaching this story is comical. And so I had to share some of my favorite questions because really, the kids aren't afraid to say it. We might be, so we're gonna talk about it, right? So the first question is, um, our first question is, how did he survive this? how the heck did he survive getting swallowed by a fish? You know, my response is, hey, God heard his cries, right? He cried in the belly of the fish. He begged him to help him out. And so the fish vomited him out and out on dry land he went, okay? Which then still there's like, okay. But second how scared do you think he was like if i got swallowed by a fish i would be terrified absolutely right we validate our kids in that concern that's good right it's like yeah i would be so scared too except jonah knows what to do when he's scared what does he do he turns to God, he prays to God, right? And he does reference in verse two that it's kind of the realm of the dead. He's been in this realm of the dead before. And so I kind of see it as a compare, that like he's comparing that he's, he's experienced this before. And again, um, I'm assuming he's probably regretting that he was disobedient at this point. Um, but also my favorite question of all is do you think it, it stunk in there? I have gotten this question more than once, which is why I wrote it. Because I'm like, this is a child's brain. (laughs) All of that. And you asked, does it stink? And I'm like, absolutely, it stunk. We're we're inside of a fish here. right? It probably stunk in more more ways than one. Um, But moving on, right, Jonah then, he gets spit out. And he hears God, yet again, tell him to continue to Nineveh. Right? And so Nineveh now, also, it's spelled Nineveh. It's said Nineveh, but it's spelled Nineveh. So if I said Nineveh, forgive me. Um, but he goes to Nineveh, and this time he obeys the Lord, and he went and gave his sermon. Right? He gave this, this wonderful sermon of five words. That's wonderful. Of five words. Now, wait a second. Did I skip a page? No, I didn't. We're good. All right. So I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page for my brain. In my baby's brain, and make sure that we understand where we're at in the book of Jonah before we move on to chapter four, okay? So the first three chapters, we've kind of covered what exactly is happening to Jonah here. Jonah, first and foremost, refuses, he refuses to listen to God, and he tries to flee what he's asking him to do, right? So from there, he gets on a boat, and he tries to flee to Tarshish. Tarshish is like an escape wonderland, right? Like nobody actually even knows if Tarshish is like a real thing, but he's trying to escape it, which is a sermon in itself, right? He's trying to run away. But God still shows up because God is a good God, right? And he gets on this boat, and now it's this shipwreck. And These sailors are like, hey, wake up. What are you doing, dude? Like, there's a storm. Let's pray to your God. And instead of doing that, he says, just kill me. Toss me overboard. I'd rather do that. This is, again, I'm speaking of, like, the character of who Jonah is, right? Like, just throw me overboard. I'd rather do that than confront what God is asking me to do. Um, Sermon in itself. I say that a lot because, you know, it is. Um, And then now he gets overboard. God shows up, provides the fish. There we are, right? We're there. Now, vomits, spits him out. He gets, he listens. He finally listens. It took all of that and he finally listens. He goes to Nineveh and he says five words, five Hebrew words. And I think it's important to note that even in these five words, guess what he doesn't do? He doesn't really even mention God. Like, what? You went through all of that, Jonah, to just say five words? And those five words in uh, chapter 3, verse 4 says 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. All of that. And guess what? God still shows up, even though he does not <laughs> reference God in that. He shows up um, and he said, and the entire, the entire city of Nineveh repents. The king, the people, The cows, right, they all repent. They understand that this is real, that this this God is real and has this power. And so they repent in sorrow and they fast. And in verse 10, it says, God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways. And he relented and did not bring them the destruction that he had threatened. Okay. You all with me? Okay, good job, children. My brain went a little off there for a second, but it's okay. We're back. We're back. <laughs> okay, now chapter four, Jonah's anger at the Lord's compassion. Right now, I can't say for sure why our Saddleback Kids video does not go into chapter four, but I can say from a children's perspective that I think this, is, this, this chapter introduces Jonah as the not-so-hero that I think he sometimes is and was right? He is this prophet. He's this man of God. Yet, it exposes that sometimes even the most righteous can be harmful to others. A sermon in itself, right? And I don't want to stop there, um, but I do think that this concept can tend to be a little bit hard for a child to pick apart. Um, But, you know, again, I think it's important for us as adults to understand that. But I'm going to move forward in the sense that, hey, every single time we preach something that's in the Old Testament, just like Gavin mentioned before, right, we want to teach you and especially teach our kids how does this connect to Christ, right how does this connect to Christ so in our kids area we have this thing it's called a big idea and what this big idea is that it takes these you know six week series and it basically crunches it down into five or six words that are really important and this five or six words or this phrase is what we want our kids to take from the six weeks the most important thing right and so today our big idea is and i'm gonna say it and then i'm gonna ask you to repeat it in axiom kids fashion okay so our big idea is that jesus is the greater jonah all right, one more time. Jesus is the greater Jonah. Jesus is the greater Jonah. Yes. Okay, my favorite part is that we like whisper it and then we scream it. That's probably what you hear sometimes on Sundays. We're just jumping on tables and screaming big ideas. But it's important because we want it to stick with them. And the same thing is if you leave today and you take anything at all, the one thing I want you to take with you is that Jesus is is the greater Jonah. And we're going to kind of dive into that and see where Jesus connects, where the connection comes from. Luckily for us and myself, right, Jesus himself makes a clear typological connection between himself and Jonah. I want to reference Matthew 12, 38 to 42. I'm going to walk over here to read it. All right. So it says, then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the son of man will be three, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. All right. So. Verse 38, Jesus mentions this sign of Jonah. And I think there are three elements to this sign, right? First, both Jonah and Jesus spent three days inside of something, right? Jonah being the belly of the fish and Jesus being the earth. Second, Nineveh repented, but Jesus' generation will not. And third, lastly, it's our big idea, Right? Jesus is the greater Jonah. So, whatever Jonah did in his story, Jesus did better. Right? And whatever Jonah accomplished in his story, Jesus accomplished more. And whatever motives and attitudes that Jonah had, which was quite a lot, right? Jesus's were just better. And Jonah is not a symbol of Jesus. He was a real person, right? He was a type of Christ. And Jonah spent three days inside a fish. And when he was spat out, he preached a message of judgment to Nineveh. And they repented, and then God relented. Jesus died and spent three days in a grave. And when God resurrected him, he continued to preach a message of salvation if one repented and believed. A people repented, they repent, and God saves. So essentially, right, the sign of Jonah that Jesus gave them was the story of the gospel that he would soon carry out on the cross. And, you know, from there, I don't think it's too difficult to draw further connections between Jonah and Jesus, but I'm going to name a few of them that I think is really important. Um, First, right, they both received a mission from God to go preach. However, Jesus obeyed the Father willingly, well, Jonah actually refused at first and only obeyed reluctantly after he threw a fit in a, in a fish's stomach. <laughs> Both went down to Sheol for three days. Jonah mentions this in two, like what I, what I said earlier, the realm of the death. And Jonah's experience was more like extreme discomfort. It was also an addition, right? It was done against his will. But Jesus, he went to his death willingly in obedience To the Father and in love for His people. Next, they both preached a message urging people to repent in the face of awaiting judgment. But Jonah preached this five word sermon. I'll never get over that. (laughs) This five word sermon, the bare minimum, and had absolute zero power to save. But Jesus, He preached relentlessly for years and years and had the power to forgive sins, right? They both saw sinners repent and believe in God for the forgiveness of their sins. But sadly, Jonah hated the Ninevites and he did not want God to have mercy on them. But Jesus rejoiced when sinners, especially the Gentiles, repented and believed. You know, in dramatic Jonah fashion, he selfishly wished for death to escape his discomfort and to avoid seeing his enemies enjoy God's mercy. But Jesus, in quiet obedience, endured torture and death, intended for sinners in order to save them. Now, it's only when we read the rest of the story in the Old Testament that we actually get to see what Jonah was actually pointing to all along, right? It's a greater prophet, a greater preacher, and a greater savior. The heart of God that we see in Jonah is the heart of Jesus. And as followers of Christ, we do not have the freedom to choose which parts of the heart of Christ that we want to emulate. Write that down. I'm going to say it one more time. Right? As a follower of Christ, we do not have the freedom to choose which parts of the heart of Christ we want to emulate. I got to get real for a second because it's important too, I think, as I kind of close this up. Right? Right? We have to have compassion for all people. All people. Not just the ones that are like us or the ones that agree with us or the ones that believe the same exact things that we believe in, right? It's all, all people. We must have a desire to see all nations come to salvation in Christ. And we must. Always rejoice, even when one out of the 99 is found. Whether they be American or Iraqi, Democrat or Republican, old or young, diamondbackers or Philly fans, right? An ex con or an upstanding citizen, gay or straight. They're all people. And listen, church, we cannot change people because let's allow God to take that position, right? Just like he did with the Ninevites and just like he might have already done with you. Rather, guess what we get to do? We get to choose people. We get to choose people like Jesus did. And we should continue to see throughout us I just, as we exit today and as we take on the rest of our week, I encourage you to choose to emulate the heart of Jesus and not find yourself standing in the belly of a fish with a heart like Jonah. All right. Good job, Jesus. All right. So I'm going to pray us out again in Axiom Kids fashion. Hands up, shake your fingers. Clap your hands, bow your, bow your heads. Jesus, I thank you for just this wonderful reminder of your heart and your love and your uh, willingness to be so wonderful. Even when we fail like Jonah, God, and even when we don't want to see others through your eyes, God, I pray that we be a community that just can't help but to. I pray that we could take a posture like children to learn to love one another, no matter what background we come from, no matter where we stand, that we can be real vessels of your kingdom, God. I pray that even when we fail that we meet you in it and that we see you in it. And even when we forget the importance of, of just sharing your love, God, that you be there to remind us. I thank you that we get to practice this and I thank you for the reminder today. I pray that this community can be one that isn't afraid to love others, God. That's not afraid to talk about the hard issues and to talk about the hard things, God. Rather, we could be a community that just outpours your love and grace on others. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good.